Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. In that the, the one is divine, the other is human. And that's what is the problem today. So God, like he did back then, is doing now. He's going to remove the soul system or leadership type. And he's replacing it with a David type that is going to do all of the will of God. And that is going to produce uh, fruit that is going to grow not only numerically, but will also grow spiritually. In fact, it is the spiritual growth to the fullness of Christ that will now produce the numeric and not the other way around. You know, the numeric and then the spirit upward. No, it's the upward. It's like an atom bomb. I gave this example many years ago. Somebody was telling me that you remembered me when I said it. You know, when, when, when you drop an atom bomb, you see the mushroom cloud. It goes up. Then it now spreads. And that's, that's the pattern. So, now let's get back to Saul and David. We're going to finish on David today. Then in the weeks to come, we'll take some other characters. We're going to look at Absalom. We're going to look at some of the other guys. But for today, I want to talk more and finish on David. In our last lesson, in our last teaching, we looked at David's heart. How David had the opportunity to kill Saul and he did not. Uh, because of time, we're not going to read everything again. But we, you see this in First Samuel. There are actually two event, uh, two um, um, uh, um, recordings, uh, two incidents that happen one after the other. I'm going to look at the second one today. The, that last time I looked at the first one in First Samuel chapter 24, in verse 1 to 12. I'll just summarize. What happened was that Saul was chasing David to kill him. Then Saul went into a cave to ease himself. You know, Bible says cover his feet. That's old English. He went and then he took his, his skirt off and put it on the side. And he was easing himself. David and his men were in the cave. Saul didn't know that they were there. So his men now told David, he said, look at, you see, God has done it. You see, the man that is chasing you, God has now delivered him to your hand. Just give us the order, we'll kill him and you become king tomorrow. David was tempted to do it. The Bible says this. He says that he took a part of Saul's dress and he cut it. The Bible says that when he did it, he says his heart smote him. This showed the great spiritual sensitivity that David had at that time in his life. And I contrasted it with what happened with him much later on with Bathsheba. We're talking about Bathsheba too. In the weeks to come, you know, and how he he he, he looked at a young girl and wanted to sleep with her, and his heart didn't smite him. It shows that you know he was too comfortable in the palace, but that's another message for another day. But the important point is this: Saul, rather David, his heart was so sensitive, and he told the man, he said, "No, no, 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 I cannot touch. He's the Lord's anointed. He's my father spiritually, even though he's backslidden, even though he's being demon." Uh, 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 um, oppressed and all of that but he's still who God made him 
and I will not touch him. That was one of the greatest tests that David passed. And we are going to go through the same test today. In fact, we are going through it. I can tell you from my own personal experience, you know, I've been, I'm teaching about Saul, Jonathan, and David. In these last 42 years, by the grace and the mercy of God, I have actually seen this thing play out in my life and the lives of other people. And I remember when Saul, Jonathan, and David were all in the palace together. And over the years, Saul took his own path to destiny. Jonathan took his own path to destiny. And David took his own path to destiny. And I actually, I'm seeing it. This is not theory. I've seen, I'm seeing it being outplayed as I speak. You know? And um, David said, I won't touch him. And he's heart smote him and that scored a big point with god and this is what i wrote you know this was my you know uh, in my from my notes he says david refused to get the crown without the cross to kill saul and i put in the notes here don't use your mouth to cut off the skirt the robe represents righteousness of your leaders even when they are wrong rebuke not an elder Aaron Miriam and, and and Moses I mentioned this last time even when you think he's wrong based on the Word of God that you know it is too big for your mouth to rebuke them you don't cut the skirt of your leader what do you do pray for them and the Bible says entreat he says, rebuke them, but entreat them as a father. If you have the opportunity, you can talk to them. If you don't have the opportunity, just pray for them and leave it. He says, hey, but what will happen? Are you God? Does the church belong to you? Who do you think you are? Where did you come from? When were you born again? God put, can God put the chastening rod of his leaders in your hand? You know, sometimes we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. If you see your leader do something wrong, pray for them and leave it there. Say, hey, but what happened? God will take care of it. In his own time and in his own way, that is bigger than what you can think. I know it's a difficult thing for a lot of people. A lot of people think, you know, I, I, I know I, by the grace and the mercy of God, over these 42 years, you know, because really I started ministry in 1980 when God called me. But I didn't start the church until 84. But, you know, I, I, you know, I was going through a lot of preparation and everything. You know, I've seen a lot of people. I've seen a lot. But I don't go about talking publicly, you know, uh, from pulpit, you know, criticizing and talking about. I know some things they're doing that may be wrong. I pray for them. Where I can, if I have the opportunity, I may entreat them. When I don't have the opinion, I just keep my mouth shut. I pray. Listen to this. To his own master, he stands or he falls. Who art thou that judgeth another man's servant? Don't try it. Do not walk where angels dare to tread. Or do not, do not tread where angels dare to walk. Or however they say it. Where, where, don't even go there. You know, and, and we saw that about David. You know, and, and this was, uh, we did mention this, you know, uh, that that's the reason why later on in life, we're going to look at that when we look at Absalom and others later on, 
Many years later, you know, Absalom would have killed David had he killed Saul. What you sow is what you're going to reap. You know, so you have to be very, very careful, you know, and maintain a right attitude. This was why God made Christ the son of David come from the Davidic line. And that's why God now is raising a David type of leadership that is going to produce sons organically, not by posting, not by denomination. You know, it will be organic. It will be through the preaching, the teaching, the life of God that is designed and that will flow in the body and will cause those people to grow spiritually. And those people will now, you know, do whatever it is God tells them to do. It will be proper fruit. It will not be, you know, uh, uh, artificial gifts uh, using the Christmas tree and uh, the natural tree illustration. So today, I want to look again at David. We're going to look at David and the, and the end of Saul um, from 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel, hello. Give me a, a wave offering, somebody, so I know you're, you're with me. Hello. 1 Samuel chapter 26. And we're going to look, it's actually long from verse 125. I'm not going to read everything. I'll just, you know, I'll, read, I'll just give a summary and then we'll just look at a few verses that are relevant. Something wonderful, well, I don't know if the word wonderful is the best word, but something amazing happened. <clears throat> David has the opportunity to kill Saul. Cuts his skirt, his heart smote, smites him. He now shows Saul his skirt. The, the, the part of his skirt that he cut, he said, look, if I wanted to kill you, I would have killed you. This is Olubi Johnson translation. I'm paraphrasing. I didn't kill you. So all the people that are telling you that I want to kill you, you know, they're telling you lies. They, this thing so, it so impacted Saul's heart that Saul began to weep. And he cried. He said, oh, my son David, I have been a fool. I should not have been doing this to try and kill you. Will a person catch his enemy and not kill him? You saved my life today. He said, now I know you will be king. God put it in Saul's mouth to pronounce that David will be king. And you know, he was a spiritual authority. So God had to allow a situation to happen so that Saul will say that thing, you know, that David will be king. Not only that, you know, Saul said, I will no longer, now this is what we're going to learn today. I will no longer chase you. I will no longer try and kill you, you know. And Saul left. And David went back into the wilderness. Now, you would have thought that after, that's why I say it's amazing. You would have thought that after that, David will now be free. After all, Saul has said he's sorry. He's not going to kill him. He's going to be king. You would have thought that, okay, David, uh, Saul was, okay, David, come, come, you know, and come back to the palace and we'll do a ceremony and let Samuel come and anoint you as king and I will abdicate and step down. Hello, somebody. Hello. That did not happen. And to this afternoon, we're going to see why it did not happen. And the same thing is going to happen in our time. Don't be fooled. Because people have a temporary repentance. And say, oh, say all the right things you wanted to hear. 
Oh, I've been a fool. I shouldn't have done this. You know, you'll be king. They stand in agreement with you. The same people will turn around two days later and come back. Hello. And that's what happened here. Now, let's look at First Samuel chapter 26. Again, Saul is... This same Saul that repented in chapter 24. Maybe a few weeks earlier, you know, starts chasing David again. Let's read it from uh, verse 1. It says, And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gibeah, and said, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Hachila, which is before Jeshimon? And Saul arose and well down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness. I thought he had said in chapter 24 that David was going to be king and he was sorry for what he was doing. It's amazing. I'm going to tell you the reason in a minute. Now, so he, he begins to chase David. Again, you know, God arranges circumstances such that David and his men were able to enter into the trench. In those days, they used to dig trenches. They still do today to some degree. You know, in the camp where Saul and his men were, and all of them were fast asleep. Fast asleep. Another opportunity for David to kill. God allowed it twice, if not more than that. You know, just to see if David really meant what he said. The first time, okay. Now, let's, he had it again to show you that David's heart was established in righteousness. Now, this one is as important as the first one, but probably even more important. Uh, uh, let's look at... Uh, good. Uh, look at verse... Yes. Verse 8. Let's look at verse 8. Then Abishai, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. Then Abishai, then said Abishai to David, God had delivered thine enemy into thy hand this day. Now therefore, let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. David said to Abishai, destroy him not. Everybody scream it out. For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? I want to ask a rhetorical question. Who taught David this? It's not in the Bible. There was no first Samuel when David said this. Again, remember, Joseph had no Bible. It was God who taught David because he had a right heart. How did David know that if you touch the Lord's anointed, you will not be guiltless? Remember, this scripture had not been written. It was written after these events. The scripture had not been written. How did David know? The Holy Spirit. God put it in his heart. He just knew it wouldn't be right. For you to touch the Lord's hand, even though he had every excuse to do so. Saul was backslidden. Saul had thrown a javelin at Jonathan. Saul had tried to kill David. Saul had an evil spirit from the Lord that was troubling him. Every tangible reason that you can come up with was available to David to say, well... 
after all, it's God who, had, who, who, who delivered him into my hands. The man is back. Stated, I have been anointed by Samuel. God has already told me I'm going to be king. Every justifiable reason. The, the logical thing to have done would have been to kill Saul. But I, I, I keep saying this all the time. May God help us to learn this lesson. The letter killeth, but the spirit give life. The fact that something even seems correct, according to the letter, does not mean the spirit with which you do it is right at that time. You've got to check it out. You've got to check it out. It's not just enough to say, well, the Bible says, yes, I know the Bible says so. You know, like for example, the Lord Jesus Christ, he, 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 he made this statement. They said, Moses gave us, he said, is, it, is it right that, you know, do we have a right to divorce our wives? And Jesus said, well, you know, what did Moses tell you? He said, yeah, Moses told us that, you know, um, if you find her unfavorable, you can write her a letter of divorcement. Jesus now told them, this is where you and I should be operating. He said, Moses wrote this listing because of the hardness of your heart. Yes, it's the letter. Yes, it's in the Bible. It's in the Torah. But it's not the will of God. He said, nevertheless, when God made them, he made them male and female. What therefore God has joined together, let no man render asunder. That was not in the Bible. How did Jesus know? He picked it by the Holy Ghost. Even though it was true, the Bible said that they could give a bill of divorce. But Jesus told them, he said, that's not the original plan. That's not God's heart. I just use that as another example. There are many things, like even in the New Testament today, his letter is there. But the way you interpret it, the way you apply it, is, the spirit with which you apply it is what is crucial. You with a spirit of love, with a spirit of righteousness, with a spirit of justice, or you just want to do it to just, you know, since the Bible has said just, you just want to do it, you know, just to justify yourself. That is what God is judging. He's checking that thing out. You, yeah, the Bible says so. But does, not mean, does that mean you should just do it that way in that particular situation? For example, the Bible says, oh, well, I'm just telling them the truth. But the Bible says speaking the truth in love. It may be the truth, but how did you deliver the truth? Number two, what was the purpose of your delivering the truth? Was it to condemn? Was it to kill? Was it to destroy? Or was it to correct and to build up? Jesus knew that that woman committed adultery. She was in a, in a sexually perverse relationship. She had had five husbands. Jesus knew it was the truth. But look at how Jesus handled her. He did not use that truth to nail her. He didn't use the truth to condemn her. He used the, this truth, but then he used it to try and help her. That's how God expects us to use the truth. So even if it's the truth, if you use it in a negative way, with it, let me put it this way. Even if it's the truth, even if it's the written word of God, if it's applied with a wrong spirit, it will not be justifiable. And our scripture has just come to me. James and John. 
They want to call fire from heaven. Like Elijah. To destroy a Samaritan village. That asked Jesus not to come. Jesus was angry with them. The power was there. It could have been done. Jesus had a spirit without measure. But Jesus said to them. He said you do not know. Everybody scream it. What spirit? I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. That's the whole thing here. What is the spirit? What spirit there means attitude. Well, you don't know. You don't know who you are. You don't understand the God you are serving. The son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save it. Then they went to another village. But they had scripture to back what they wanted to do. They had the letter, but the wrong spirit. Learn this lesson. Whenever you want to find, we see what the Bible says about something. Find out what spirit, what is this, what is the attitude which I'm doing? What, what am I trying to achieve? Love. Righteousness. Justice. Or just vengeance. Simply because the Bible says so. And there will be many opportunities that are going to come up in these days to come. Where you will be just like David and you have the opportunity and the scriptures will be there. <laughs> but if you do it with the wrong spirit, you will fail the test. Am I talking to anybody here? So, what do we see? David passes the test the second time. He said, David said furthermore, verse 10. 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 10. David said, I didn't hear you. Furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. Everybody say, the Lord shall smite him. Or his day shall come to die. Or he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid, scream it out, that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take now, take thou now the spear that is at his bolster and the cruise of water and let us go. I'm going to stop there. There's a second opportunity. David understood God's, he had God's, that's why God said, I have found in David the man of Jesse, a man after what? My own heart. A person that understands my character. He understands how I think. He understands how I feel. He will, he, will, he will behave like me. He will not behave like the devil. So he took the, 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 the water bottle, you know, you know. Then he goes to the other side again, you know, like he did the first time. You know, let's read verse 12. So David took the spear. I didn't hear you. That's Saul's spear. And the cruise of water. From Saul's bolster. And they got them away. No man saw it. Nor knew. Neither awaked. Now this is one of the great statements in this portion of scripture. He says, for they were all. I didn't scream, scream it somebody. Asleep. Because a deep sleep from who? Had fallen upon them. Wow. You would have thought. 
You know, most of us today will fail this test. Most people today will fail this test. They will say, after all, it's God who brought the sleep. The man is backslidden. You know, and every reason, they just kill him. Uh, if I won't kill him, I'll just ask one of my men to kill him. <laughs> so it will not be my hand, but it's still your hand. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody here. Are you listening to me? Then David went to the other side and stood on top of the hill afar off, a great space between them. David cried to the people and to Abner. This Abner is, you know, uh, was Saul's chief of staff. <clears throat> he says, Answer thou not, Abner. He said, Who art thou that Christ unto the king? And David said, Art thou not a violent man? And so on and so forth, you know. I don't want to go into all of the details. Anyway, what David did was that he now cried from the top of the hill and woke them up because they were sleeping. Then he now, uh, he now, he now rebuked Abner. He said, you are supposed to be, you know, commander, uh, commander in chief of the armed forces. You couldn't even protect your king. Look at his spear. Look at his water bottle in my hand. You should die because you, 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 you were careless. You were sleeping when your king was sleeping and you didn't even know when the enemy came. And then Saul again. Saul knew David's voice, verse 17, and said, Is this the voice of my son David? And David said, It is my voice, O Lord, my Lord, O King. Wherefore does thy, you know, and then he's beginning to say, Why are you pursuing me and all of that? I don't want to go into all of that. <clears throat> then look at what Saul said in verse 21. Then we're going to look at this and then we're going to close and look at what happened to Saul and close. And then said Saul, verse 21, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will do for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. Then David answered and said, Behold the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and fetch it. Look. I, I don't want to read too much. There's another part here where, where David says, okay, let me read that part. That the Lord render to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered thee into my hand this day, to today. But I would not stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. Behold, as thy life was much said by this day in my eyes, so let my life be much said by in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. And Saul said to David, Blessed be thou my son David, thou shalt do great things and still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. Now I want to ask you a question. I mentioned it earlier on. How come Saul had not changed? This is not the first time, second time. The first was time was in the cave. This second time they were fall asleep. David spared his life twice. The first time, he said, the same thing he said the second, second time, he said the first time. He cried, he's, you know, he repented. And you know what? As I was preparing for this, the Lord said to me, he said, go and tell the people. He was genuine. He wasn't lying. When he said, I've played the fool, what I did was wrong. He, that, that repentance was sincere. Let me tell you what God told me at that time. At that time. But once, once he left and went back to the palace 
and David went back into the wilderness, the spiritual forces, listen to me, the spiritual forces that caused the problem came back into operation. And Saul didn't have anything inside him to be able to repent. We're going to see a lot of that in this end time. They will say all the right things. The Bible says that when a guy speaks, he said when he speaks fair, he said believe him not. He said because there are seven abominations inside his heart. Yeah, he will, he will say all the right things. He will cry, he will repent, he will, you know, but don't trust him all. If he does not have, watch this, a lifestyle and a habit of putting the word of God in his heart and in his mouth, the spiritual force is going to take over again and he's going to do the same thing again, even in a worse manner. Are you listening to me? That's what happened. I said, Lord, he said, he said the very thing that caused Paul problem at the beginning is the same problem, is the same thing that is causing him to be apologetic to David and yet go back and do the same thing again. Go back and do the same. What was it for Saul to tell all his men disarm, nobody should chase David again, call David back into the palace, call Samuel, anoint David, you know, I'm stepping down as king. Hello? Because that's what God said. But Saul's pride and his stubbornness and his rebellion that is in his heart. We're not allowing him to do it. Then you have to ask the rhetorical question. What caused the pride? What caused the stubbornness? What caused the rebellion? Because he was not putting God's word in his... He said, the word is nigh thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. He wasn't doing what Joseph did. He wasn't doing what David did in the wilderness. He was too busy being king. He didn't have time for God's word. He didn't have time for prayer. So the spiritual forces that caused him to be rebellious, that caused him to be proud, that caused him to be stubborn, you know, came back into operation. So once the, the thing is in the air, once it came back into operation, he began to behave like he behaved before. That is the reason. And we're going to see it again. If people don't make it a habit, like we looked last time, we're going to look at it again today before we close, you know, to make, put the word of God in your mouth and in your heart daily. I didn't write the scripture. Jesus said we should take up our cross daily. He didn't say weekly. A week is too long. Satan would have messed you up from the air. Your, your, your mind and your will and your emotions and your body. The Bible says, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh, you know, in the, uh, the desires of the heart and the mind, spirit that now worketh the children of disobedience, is still a pro operation. If you don't do anything against it, it will take uh, 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 um, uh, possession. I'm not talking about demon possession now. It will, it, will, it, will, it will begin to operate in your mind your will and your emotions and make you behave the way you shouldn't behave so if you no matter what a person says with their mouth at a point of time of pertinent uh, of, of repentance and penitence if they don't follow it up with prayer and action don't trust them thank you for listening to this podcast we believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, 
transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies and articles available on our website spcconline.org. Thank you and God bless you.